Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast where we go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules to enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, Morris on Riftwake. And today we're here to talk about experience. Promise you in episode three that we would. And here we are. Promise kept. All right. In short, everybody does experience wrong. Even the... Ouch. Do you make mistakes in experience, as I would call it? Yes. Do I? Yes. Does everyone? Yes. So the big problem that we all have with experience is the fact that Monsters have a spelled out number based on their challenge rating of how much experience you get for defeating it. So you defeat a creature, whether that is through kill or knockout, whatever, you get experience. And that's the only place where each individual thing does spell out how much experience you get. And a lot of people have the mistaken impression that that is the only source of experience. It's not. So in the Dungeon Master's Guide, it actually says the following under experience points. Experience points fuel level advancement for player characters and are most often the reward for completing combat encounters. Even in the freaking Dungeon Master's Guide, it spells out combat experience, combat experience, combat experience. It is only two little paragraphs in the Dungeon Master's Guide where it has anything about non-combat experience. And I'm actually just going to go ahead and read this because this is literally the entirety of what is written about it. 
You decide whether to award experience to characters for overcoming challenges outside combat. If the adventurers complete a tense negotiation with the Baron, forge a trade agreement with the clan of surly dwarves, or successfully navigate the chasm of doom, you might decide that they deserve an XP reward. As a starting point, use the rules for building combat encounters in Chapter 3 to gauge the difficulty of the challenge. Then award characters XP as if it had been a combat encounter of the same difficulty, but only if the encounter involved a meaningful risk of failure. Those two paragraphs are it. There is almost nothing else through any of the rule books about non-combat experience. And even in those two paragraphs, you decide if it is meaningful. It is phrased as if that is the optional part, that you only have to give experience for combat. And that's not right. The whole point of a system that grants experience is that if you succeed in a challenge in any form, you should get an experience reward for that. Yeah, I, I do believe that it really shouldn't be so optional when it comes down to it, because what it basically incentivizes game design-wise is for everything to be focused around a combat, and very often it means that DMs won't know or won't know what to give for certain scenarios and certain non-combat situations. Exactly. That little two paragraphs towards the end of chapter eight of the Dungeon Master's Guide. So within, what, 500 pages or so between the player's handbook and the Dungeon Master's Guide? That's it. Two paragraphs. So it says to use the rules for building combat encounters to gauge difficulty and award XP accordingly. I will say the whole XP for difficulty section of the book is actually a really useful thing. That is a whole nice chart in chapter three of the Dungeon Master's Guide that has by level per character, this much is easy, medium, hard, or deadly. So using that math, there's a lot of people that have made experience calculators where you can input, okay, I have got four six-level characters, so you can use the numbers from that chart to know, ah, so this much experience creatures would be a hard encounter, or, oh, that's double a deadly encounter? Maybe that's not great, or maybe I should let them have some guard allies or something to help spread that out a bit. Uh, fun fact, actually, that troll encounter was double deadly for our level at the time. But, well, that, well, that actually brings up a point. All creatures in the game have a challenge rating that is based on more charts in the Dungeon Master's Guide, based on a creature's AC, hit points, uh, to hit, average damage per round there's all these numbers that based on where they are in the chart get averaged together to give a challenge rating or how difficult is this creature to beat 
and humanoids monsters every non-player character has a challenge rating and a lot of dungeon masters only look at those numbers when building encounters and that can be a problem because challenge rating gives an average threat level based on those numbers it can't take every factor into account like speed and range and party makeup if you've got let's say more magic users in the party they might have great offense but garbage defense and get destroyed by a theoretically easier encounter because they're easy to hit and squishy. So even though these charts have a lot of things that go into them and the calculators are very useful for building encounters, a dungeon master must also think about the makeup of their party if they're trying to design balanced encounters. On the other hand, an argument can and, well, I guess now will also be made by me to say balance is overrated. And this is honestly, <laughs> I heard that gasp. This is one of those things where Nathan and I disagree. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I believe that. <laughs> yes, I believe that balance is quite important. And that's partially the reason why when you guys were fighting the troll, I didn't leave you on your own. And there were like guards there to help like slash away at it a bit before they kind of let off and ran, leaving what was left of the troll for the party to take care of. Right. And on the other hand, I believe that the world itself, even a fictional one, is a chaotic place. And there are situations where, oh, shit, we're outmatched or ha, that was easy. We were way stronger than the than them or that or whatever it is that you're fighting. So as a, another good example, uh, on the most recent episode of Riftwake, we encountered a creature that had a challenge rating that was in theory well within our abilities, but its actual powers were a scarily good counter to ours, and we got pretty wrecked. And it very quickly became apparent to us that if we went in with our usual bravado, we would die. And you would have. Right. And that's part of my point. Sometimes a non-balanced encounter creates an interesting story in its own right that, oh my, there was this creature we could not defeat. So we had to fight smarter instead of harder. Even with not the brightest of characters, it's not hard to realize this plan is not working. We need a new plan. We need a new plan. Fire in your hair. Singe clothes. Fire in our everything. But that's the point. There are balanced encounters, and that creates a fair fight, quote unquote. But to just throw that by the wayside and just throw things at your party, I think that that's fun too. So all creatures have 
an amount of experience that they grant based on their challenge rating. So in all the calculations for encounter building, there's also a multiplier based on the number of creatures on the field in combat. So if you have anywhere from more than one up to 15 plus, there are multipliers of the effective experience of how difficult the encounter will be. I think you can see where I'm going with this. Action economy! It is built into the rules of the game that the more creatures there are on the field, the more dangerous they are. On the downside of that, though, it is mentioned in the Dungeon Master's Guide that the multiplier is affecting their effective experience, but it's not actually a bonus to the amount of experience that you're supposed to get. I would argue that you probably should, but rules as written says it's used for encounter building, but not for the actual awarding of experience. So the question can arise, why do you need to give experience for non-combat? Well, in my case, it's a way to promote situations where players aren't always choosing the murderous way out, if you know what I mean. Exactly. In short, if you give players experience for doing other things, they will do other things. If you want to try to set up an intrigue-based campaign, that may be a situation where there's not a lot of fighting happening, and you may want to reward your characters for the things that they do. If they want to set up some awesome movie-style heist, there is a lot that goes into something like that that has a lot of danger and risk that may or may not devolve into combat, but deserves the reward. Also, traps. This is, oddly enough, one of the things that a lot of D&D players debate about in terms of should players get experience for traps that they might just stumble into and it, and take damage from, but eventually get out of? In my opinion, uh, if, if the players were to um, actually fall for the trap, I would say no, because they done fucked up. If they managed to right. disarm it or evade it, I would say, yeah, they get experience for disarming it. Or evading. Fair enough. But in the Dungeon Master's Guide, all the traps that get listed there, also in the Xanathars as well, there's no XP values for the traps. And it's argued that that falls into the earlier discussion about just uh, non-combat challenges, award based on the appropriate difficulty. But the fact that traps just don't have an XP value leaves a lot of people to also argue the opposite that therefore they are worth nothing. So all dungeon masters just need to make the choice. What is worth experience to you? Is it anything that they do? Is it anything that is a challenge that they do? That is a thing worth deciding on. Indeed. So, in the actual discussion about the, sorry, in the actual, oh, is it player's handbook or dungeon? Why can I never remember? All right. Anyway, let's 
cut that part out. In the books, it is mentioned that there are three pillars to Dungeons and Dragons. Combat, exploration, and social encounters. However, you'll notice that there's, again, only one of those three that actually has spelled out experience. So in theory, the argument can be made that you're only awarding experience for one third of the things that you ought to be. Both exploration and social interactions should also get experience. Yes, they definitely should. Yeah. So let's say if you venture forth through the desert and arrive back to the castle with the person that you rescued. Basically, any situation that it could be said, yes, you have completed a quest of some kind. That's not necessarily a combat thing, but it is a challenge that you've completed that should be rewarded. For example, stealing a... For example, let's say you break into a prison, get one of your PC members out without getting caught. That could basically be, hey, they didn't actually fight anyone, but right there should give them experience. Exactly. Thank you. So there's also a question of how much XP should be awarded to a party as they adventure. And this is actually kind of a funny answer for this one. Follow the book. Seriously. It has a a chart, once again, of how much experience does it take to get each level. And if you follow that, it is very, very quick to go from level one to two, two to three, and then it slows down a lot, which makes sense. But the exact numbers of it, if you actually do the division of how much experience for how much encounters you're supposed to run into per day, there's actually certain levels where you need more or less encounters to get from one level to the next. And it's at the point where your character reaches levels where they get new features. So there's actually a lot of math in the rate of advancement in the book. And it really does boil down to when you learn more new things for your character, it slows down a little bit to give you time to understand how they work. And then to get to the next milestone levels, you get to there more quickly. So it's actually really good. Yeah, it definitely gives the player enough time to figure out every single thing that in regards to their character and gives them time to learn these new features. Exactly. So we've gone through a lot of talking about how to XP. Let's actually move on to something a little different, which is how to not XP. There are multiple other systems in the Dungeon Master's Guide of how to advance characters without XP. How, how would that even work? There's a few different ways. So instead of giving experience just as a, each thing that you defeat gives you XP, there is a milestone system, which is 
every time your character reaches a certain milestone, such as, yes, I have completed this quest and I have completed that quest. So you just award blocks of experience when things happen. Oh, I can definitely see a rather interesting or useful way to use it. Useful way to use it. Um, um, That would be where, for example, you could make it by far more cinematic and have the level up happen during an intense moment or so on and so forth, have the player come pre-prepped and then just switch over the character sheet and then get to unleash their new powers on the spot right there. As yeah, that's a way you could do it. Or the, like that's one of the fun things about milestone experience is that how you do it can vary DM to be to, DM to DM as another way to do it. You could just, instead of having to keep track of the math of what did I fight again? Uh, 10 goblins, two bandits and a skeletal horse. You could just think, Oh, they had three fights in the same day. So they will just get 800 experience and just to not, bother with the small math and it is an appealing thing for a lot of dungeon masters to just not math because god do we have so much math that we have to deal with and to just not do something well that can make our lives easier yes definitely but now on the other hand you can also just not xp at all so inst- <laughs> yes so and again there's a couple different ways that you could go about that you can just have it be you level up every second or third session depending on how on topic we are so just every x sessions okay time to level or you could have it be a even broader version of milestone which is story-based advancement which is Every time the characters reach a big milestone, they just instantly level instead of having it broken down into the smaller milestones. So it could just be, you have reached the next city along your quest. Time to level up to three. You have reached the capital. You are now level six. So basically jumping across levels. You could do it that way, or it could just be you have reached the oasis that is the halfway point. You get your next level. You have reached the capital. You have gained your next level. You have gained an audience with the king. You have gotten your next level. I see. So you can have it as spread out or as clustered as you want it to be for the story that you want to tell. So... I've been talking, honestly, a lot about my opinions about some of it. But the people at Wizards of the Coast have released one bit of proof that they agree with me. Are you familiar with Unearthed Arcana? Um, I know of it. All right. So the basics of it is every month or so, the team that owns Dungeons & Dragons release articles of playtest material to have alternate ways to do things, whether that's altered classes or items or feats or whatever. So the reason I bring that up is that there is an Unearthed Arcana article called Three Pillar Experience. Does that 
phrase three pillars sound familiar? Extremely. Oh, do go on. So I, I presume that that this thing comes with perhaps uh, features and features of that would basically give rules to the experience of the other two pillars, which is exploring and what was the other one? Social interaction. <laughs> Social interactions. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> it is a entire alternate XP system that is all three pillars, which is. If you do something of this difficulty in this pillar, you get this much experience. I see. Yeah. So it does create an entire system that does spell out a little bit more. So so one more question would be, how do you deal with experience for characters that are absent? Well, in my case, basically, I either have them do something else or when that's not possible, I have someone else take the reins for a bit. Yes. So, again, there's multiple ways to handle it. You can either just not give them experience to try to incentivize, hey, you should have been here. Or you can, if everyone allows it, have someone else drive the character for the day. Or you can just say, oh, yes, while they were away, they did some other thing. And you could either play that out separately or just hand wave it like, yes, other stuff happened. But how you treat that is a thing that all DMs should think about and ideally before it actually happens. So we've gone over the hows of XP. How about the why? Why do you want to award XP? What do you mean by that? (laughs) So there's actually a lot of articles written about why is experience in modern games such a complicated system? Why are there these enormous numbers that you have to add up to over time instead of simpler methods? And what has basically been found is it's a psychological thing in players of instant gratification. We love getting rewards for the things that we do in some tangible way. So giving that specific number of, ooh, I have gotten 1,800 experience for defeating that troll. I am that much farther along. And you can see, uh, I am this close to my next level. I am this close to my next abilities in the future. So having numbers just gives that dopamine response in the brain of reward, reward, yay! Yes, and it definitely uh, creates a thing where it's like, okay, I can't wait. It's so close, that kind of feeling. So in summary, give experience for everything, or at the very least, put a lot of thought into what you want to give experience for and do that. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Refs and Rules. Please give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Podcast. Tears start as low as a dollar. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the Patreon Discord where you will be able to chat with the cast, and even a shout-out on the show.
Find us on social media, on Twitter, at RefWake Podcast, on Facebook, as RefWake, and on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash RefWake Podcast. And now send us an email, riffsandrules at gmail.com. That's riffs and rules at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.